Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage of
not a commercial show, so we're not sponsoring anybody's companies. Um, therefore, there's no influence on the message. Works out pretty good. Um, the show is not exclusively about, but certainly put on by the Human Solution International. And we can certainly talk about anything that has to do with civil rights, that has to do with uh, ending cannabis prohibition, working together, uh, grassroots organizing. Um, there's a lot of possible topics that would be applicable here. As I am the CEO of the Human Solution International, it's a very important topic to me, so I'll be bringing it up. And just so happens I'm the host, so I can sort of dominate the show if I choose to. But one thing I like to do with this show is give everybody an opportunity to speak. We have um, a global reach with this podcast. We're also live streaming from two different feeds, uh, Lisa Wooldridge. My vice president is streaming from her personal page, and it'll be probably shared most extensively from there. And I'm also sharing it from my public figure page on Facebook, and it'll get shared some there. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to match uh, Lisa's sharing, but it really doesn't matter how people see it. It's that what matters is that people see it. One of the topics today we're going to get into is messaging and how to uh, be effective at messaging. That's a big part of what we're doing here with this show. The show is all about messaging because we're talking, right? Uh, communicating, it's all about that. Remember, prohibition exists today because of a policy of lies, deceit, misinformation, uh, cover-ups, hiding the truth, every which way you can say it. It's everything but the truth. It's everything but free access to the truth. It's everything but a true message. So imagine what we could do if we were able to get ourselves together and share a message of the truth. Seems like a winner to me, right? Well, it is, and it will be, and it can be. And if we do it loud enough and long enough and together enough, we'll end prohibition. And I don't mean by that we're going to pass some bullshit law that allows you to possess six plants and one ounce of pot. Craig Cecil brought that to my attention today. And I said, yeah, it's crazy. You'd have to be the world's worst grower to grow six plants and possess one ounce of pot with it. But then what happens when that one ounce of pot runs out? Then you've got to grow another six plants to have yet another ounce. And I don't know, most of us can consume more than an ounce of pot in six to ten weeks, as a flower cycle might be. Actually, 10 to 14 weeks in a lot of cases. But nonetheless, it really doesn't matter. Bottom line is, is you're not going to be able to sustain yourself by growing six plants and possessing one ounce. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, unless you have some perfectly staggered uh, situation where you keep your plants cut just right and they're staggered, somehow magically you'll have a vegging plant into a flowering plant big enough to yield one ounce and every single week you harvest one. Potentially you could do that. And if you could live off of one ounce a week, which some folks can, many cannot, it might be enough for you. 
Meanwhile, that's just one small example we're going to talk about. California is legal today uh, as of the 1st, what that means or what that doesn't mean. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. This is a funny show because uh, I get to say whatever I want. It's a podcast, so I can say crap or shit or fuck or I love your mama. I can say anything I want. This is the Internet. It's not... Uh, governed by the FCC, so there isn't uh, the limitations in that. I don't have to do a call, uh, you know, public access. I don't have to uh, say the call numbers every 10 minutes or whatever the normal radio things are. So in some cases, this is better than a radio show. I do want to give you all the access and how to call this show, and we'll talk for a minute about the show. This is a podcast that was graciously uh, given the Human Solution access to by the Coffee Party, <clears throat> and it's hosted on the Coffee Party Radio Network, where primarily this is the show that's being hosted, but it has hosted up as many as seven or eight shows at a time, and will likely again soon, as, as people's schedules permit. Um, it's hosted on Blog Talk Radio, so there's a uh, link posted around Facebook, or you can go on to Blog Talk Radio and look it up. It's also being live streamed on Facebook, as I mentioned before. <clears throat> but if you want to call in, all you have to do is pick up your phone and dial 646-929-2495. And our amazing screener, Noncompliant Mary, will pick up the phone and ask you a few questions. Now, if you're on the phone just to listen, that's cool. But what really makes a good show is when people call up the fo this show and decide they want to talk. The value of this show is that it's our voice. We've come together in this little forum so that we can all share something. And if you're on the phone listening right now or if you call in later on and you're listening and you decide, I got something to say, I got a question to ask, I got a comment to make, just hang up the phone, call back. It's that simple. Um, clearly, as you can see from the live stream, this is a low-tech version of this. I am operating with a landline phone, a laptop, and a desktop, and that's pretty much the, um, the technology that's involved. That makes it really great. It means we can take it on the road as long as we have a solid signal, uh, as we've done many times. The Facebook live stream is a new thing. <coughs> But it seems to be very successful. It's uh, picked up our audience by more than double in the last, uh, I don't know, couple of months that we've been doing it. And it's engaging more people in the conversation. The show is as valuable as we make it. I'm whatever, somewhat interesting person to talk to or listen to, but I have a limited amount of experience and a limited amount of knowledge to share. And somewhat limited amount of opinions and of probably not that limited amount of words, but if I just get into rambling, it probably gets pretty annoying and boring. So it's definitely better when people want to join us. Many times we have a featured guest. We'll do an interview. And if you wish to be a featured guest or wish to interview, just contact me. My phone number is 951-436-6312. Or you can go on to the website at hsintl.org, or you can go put a comment here in this uh, uh, 
uh, one of the live streams, or you can uh, reach out to the public figure page on the Facebook. Many ways to reach us. Um, we have a small team right now that produces the show. We have uh, Becca Nichols, who uh, backs me up as a screener when needed. We have Noncompliant Mary, who does screening on a regular basis. And we have Lisa Wooldridge, who takes care of the live stream, and myself. And then that's pretty much the team. If you'd like to be a part of the team, help me schedule guests, help me uh, bring up topics for the show, um, backup screener. There's all kinds of things that we could do to make this show better. Again, contact me. That would be great. I want to talk for a second about the human solution and social networking and time and being effective. Um, so many people are on Facebook and Instagram and all these other social networks. Twitter, oh my God. Uh, I don't even go on Twitter. I hate it. But a lot of people love it. And it's a way that people can share information. It's a great way to share fake information, false information. It's a way to uh, have an opinion without worrying about what anybody else says and, and, and being able to reach a lot of people with that opinion. Most people, however, I believe do care what people say when they post this stuff. Apparently, um, likes and shares and tweets and all that are somewhat of an addiction nowadays, which is a great reason why I pretty much uh, shut down my personal Facebook page, as some people have noticed, finally. And um, I'm just keeping it open to where I can figure out how to get all my pictures off. And then I'm going to operate just from the public figure page and the member pages and all of that, because that's really the reason why I'm doing it. Um, Facebook has been a very good tool in the past, and we have been able to bring aboard many people that we probably wouldn't have reached outside of Facebook. That's one of the reasons why we're keeping it on as an organization, for sure. Um, it's a way that you can share in great detail an event. As I mentioned last week when we were doing the Journey for Justice, a 10-day bus ride from Southern California up to Montana and back, um, we were able to share that story on Facebook as well as blogs and things like that. It was a way that we were able to grow some of the first chapters. It's a way that you know people can communicate on a fairly regular basis, but it's also a way that kind of brings up the, the sewer mentality. It brings up you know the stereotypical you know greasy-haired. Mama's boy living down in the basement with a lot of opinions and no real life experience, banging away on the keyboards, just screaming at everybody. And it brings out a lot of that. And I just don't have any time or tolerance for that anymore. So um, what I've discovered is that real time, real people, real conversations, um, pick up the phone, come over and visit, have a text message. I'd rather talk to you, though. That's why we do this show. It's a real time, real live show. Um, so over the last two years, I shut down my Facebook page. I had 4,850 friends uh, two years ago and, and took a long time, one at a time, to remove them. But I removed them. And while I was doing it, I was explaining to everybody what I was doing. Look, I'm shutting this page down. I just don't take it personal. If we're friends, we're friends. That's nothing to do with Facebook. Well, finally, around the first of the year, I, I got down to like 60 people. I, Still kind of lost because my list says 164, but my actual 
list of people I can see is like 50. The only reason why those 50 are still on is because they're people I share my life with on a regular basis. Um, they're not necessarily connected to me on the human solution. Most of them are. They're not people that are only connected to me on the human solution and, not, and don't have some other personal connection. And I've had a few people recently, and it was kind of frustrating because over all this time, I've been telling everybody, look, I'm doing this. If you really want to be here, let me know. And then I finally realized, fuck that. I just don't want this page to be live. Let's do the public figure page so I can just talk about the human solution. And don't worry about what's going on in my pea brain. It's, if we have a conversation, you'll probably hear about it. Well, in the last week, weeks after I had cut this thing down, I had one person who uh, I've been connected to through the human solution. I've done some work with a well-known activist, and this person realized that she, or this person realized that they had been removed from my Facebook friend, and I get a message, a messenger message, and it said this. So, you took me off of Facebook. Okay. And I went to reply and say, listen, it's okay. We're friends, right? If we're friends, let's talk. I tried to communicate that through Messenger, but I was unable to. I guess I'd been blocked. And then I went so far because I didn't want to let this relationship die because of something stupid like Facebook, and I was unable to even get a text message through. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. So be it. If that's what our relationship was, adios. And then just a couple of days ago, I had it happen again. Somebody who has been very supportive of the human solution has been very supportive of my case over the years. Um, but truly, I don't know that I've ever had a cup of coffee with them outside of the human solution and, and the efforts we've done together. I don't know that they've ever come over to my house or I've gone to theirs just on a personal level. They don't have anything to do with my other business. They don't. Our connection is the human solution. I took them off. I got the same thing. Oh, I didn't realize I was expendable. You know, weeping. I mean, almost. I'm just like, what the hell is wrong with you people? Again, I tried to send a message on a personal level, on a text message, say, look, this is what's going on. Hey, come on over and share my life, and then we can be part of this. Not that I guess I was blocked. All right. And then here's the kicker. The human solution is an all-volunteer organization. We're here to end prohibition, to support people that are victims of the war on drugs, to educate people about this plant and about why it's important to have access to this plant, why it's a, a, a human rights issue. Here's Craig Cecil. He's going to interrupt me while I was blathering on for a while, and he's early, both at the same time. You have a prepaid call. You will not be charged for this call. This call is from... An inmate at the federal prison. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hang up. Hello, Craig. How are you doing today? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I guess I'm talking to the largest marijuana state bread. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. Um, I, I'm going to continue my uh, assessment that it's all a bunch of bullshit, but... We'll get into that um, as as we have time. Um, you know, we passed this law, but it's it's a it's a very restrictive law, and and apparently people are willing to give up, you know, their firstborn child, 
and all of their rights and, and the fact that um, the, the little guy won't be able to participate because all the big guys are going to push him out. But everybody seems to be okay with that because some few people have a license. I, I've heard some funny things about the law out there. I hear you – well, two things I heard that are kind of odd. First of all, that you can grow up to six plants, but you can only possess up to one ounce. Yeah. I mean, the math doesn't work on that. Apparently uh, – I just talked about that briefly. Apparently, either you have to be the world's worst farmer – or you have to be the world's best farmer, because if you're the world's worst farmer, you could actually take this plant, six of these plants, and grow an ounce. It'd be really a terrible situation, but you could do it if you were really bad. The other way you could do it is you could have it staged in a continuous stream type of a, of a system where you had one plant that harvested every week and a half or so and yielded exactly one ounce. So... There's a there's a potential for this to happen, but I can assure you, as I have been growing and known growers for more than 30 years now, um, it ain't going to happen. The, the thing that's funny about this law is that it makes it easier for people to break the law. And and you know, so so what they've done is they've they've lowered. The punishment for most offenses. So for most offenses, it's a misdemeanor instead of multiple felonies. But there's still plenty of ways to pick up a felony case. But let me share an example of one of the reasons that this is so screwed up. I have a friend, a personal friend, and a colleague who is a grower. He's been a grower for many years. He grows some really good pot. Um, he's gone out of his way to be compliant under California's old law. And he has documentation. He has um, uh, validation of what he's doing with his material. He pays taxes. He's got everything as legitimate as could be. Well, as indoor grows go, sometimes things happen. Um, something happened where he had a CO2 generator that caught on fire, and a small fire ensued in a public building. And so what happened was – let's see that uh, – what happened was uh, the fire department came. No real major damage was done to the building, but, you know, once, once the alarm goes off, everybody's got to come out. The fire department responded. He had already put the fire out, um, but then the law enforcement responded. They see this grow, and, of course, they come out, and they're asking questions. He laid out all of his paperwork, and they said, oh, wow, you, you've really got it together. And they left. They didn't seize anything. They didn't. Um, they didn't uh, uh, give him a cease and desist order. They didn't. They just said, "Well, we'll 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 be back to investigate this," which never happened. They naturally they would just come in and cut everything down and and take everything and let the court system figure it out. Well, then about a week later, the detective and the um, the, the, the lead investigator came out, and he spoke with them, and he showed them his books. He showed them his documentation, all the patients that he was servicing, and what made him legitimate. And they said, wow, we've never seen uh, such an in-order organization. And he felt confident that that was that. Well, about two days ago, he received a letter in the mail that said, 
you need to appear in court um, for your misdemeanor charge of an illegal cultivation. And now he has to go to court. And they shut his bank account down, and we don't know what else they're going to do. But this is after the first of the year. This is, again, this guy uh, was in as much compliance as I've ever seen, more compliance than I've ever been in. And it, he's now lost his grow, and he's going to be facing, quote, misdemeanor charges. Well, you know, his answer to that is, well, let's go to trial. Um, and he's probably going to win in trial, but he's already going to have to – he's already lost multiple crops. He's uh, got to go to court. He's got to deal with an attorney. It's it's not over. And when it's all said and done, it may eliminate him from being able to be licensed. And that's, that's our law. That's our – our point of view, that's law enforcement, that's that's what happened. That was in L.A. County where it's as liberal as you can get. And that's what we have to look forward to, folks. I see, I see. One thing you might get a giggle about is there's a lot of people here that know about our little weekly chat. <laughs> that do what? There's a lot of people here in the prison that know our of our little weekly chat. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, word gets out sometimes. <laughs> one person is one of my best friends here. He has a brother that lives in uh, Paris, California. <laughs> in Paris, California. And, uh, That's where I live. Yes. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and, uh, he said that there's a a big fear in the area because you're close to the border that federal like border patrol agents and all that will be grabbing people, and if they have marijuana on them, they'll, they'll charge them under federal laws. They might. They might. And, you know, that's the thing that I keep saying. You know, we have to end prohibition entirely. I, I've been saying this from day one. It doesn't matter what your state law says. It doesn't matter what your local ordinance says. What matters is the feds are feds, and they don't give a damn about what your state says. And if they decide to go after you, they will. And especially in a border state, you got... 3,000 miles of border, and I think 1,500 of them uh, across Mexico. No, we got more than that. We got like five or 6,000 miles of border. But in, across Mexico, I think there's like 1,200 miles that are directly connected to Mexico. And in every one of those places, you want to bet that the uh, Border Patrol and the feds are working together, and it just gives one more reason, one more way for there to be a, a federal case brought in. I mean, why oppress these people? I mean, I mean, you know, are these really the scourge of, you know, of our national government? I mean, well, I think they're just so used to getting whatever they want. I think they're so used to pushing us around and, and you know, dictating to us. We're supposed to be a representative democracy, but it's, I don't feel too damn represented most of the time. And I'm sure you don't feel very represented most of the time. And I know a lot of folks who don't feel represented most of the time. And I think that that's one of the issues we have here. We have all the people. All we have to do is stand up and demand something, and we'll get it. But, you know, people are, are, are slow, to, slow to act. And, and it, it seems to be until these kind of things happen, it, until we have to respond 
to an injustice that we're not usually moved to move to move. So, yeah, I, I, I can see that happening. Um, we got where I'm at right now. I'm about an hour away from the border, hour hour and 20 minutes away from the border, and we have border patrol all over the place crawling around here, and they do sweeps constantly. Um, on any given day, you might run into five or six, uh, you know, border patrol jeeps um, just driving around looking for stuff. So yeah, I can definitely see this happening. You would think border patrol is something more important to run around after than somebody with a pocket full of marijuana. <laughs> you would think, but just think, though. Remember, these guys get rewarded for arrests, for for people that are seized, for things like that. And it's really a, a low-hanging fruit. It's really an easy score. If you're, I mean, think about this. What if you got paid for cherries that you picked off of the giant cherry tree and you had a choice of climbing to the top of the tree that you might get hurt and you might fall out and break your neck. It might be bigger cherries, but you could walk along the bottom of the tree and get all the little easy cherries. What do you think you would do? Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I wish it wasn't that way. I mean, you know, but the, the low-hanging fruit of pot people um, is not to be denied. And, you know, we, we, we tend to be decent folk. We tend to be people that don't put up a fight. We tend to be people that don't believe we're doing anything wrong. So what easier target? I mean, you know, we're not we're not militant. We're not usually running around with a bunch of guns. We're not uh, we're not tweaked out on crystal meth or or, or some other chemical. Um, you know, pretty easy targets. I I can see that. Another giggle I got tonight is. I don't know, about a half hour or so ago. There was a guy came up to me. I I mean, I've said hi and bye to him before. I, I don't really know him, but, you know, I kind of know him by face. And he comes up to me and goes, you got that show tonight, right? <laughs> he goes, can you ask? He says, I'm reading a thing about growing, and it, it talks about self, self-flowering seeds. Can you ask what a self-flowering seed is versus any other kind of seed? Oh, that is so funny. He's probably talking about a feminized seed um, and maybe an autoflower. So what, he mean, what, what they mean by that is a feminized seed has been manipulated so that all the seeds theoretically are girls, which, of course, you want when you're growing pot. And an autoflower is a seed that will grow up to a certain amount of, of age and begin flowering no matter what the life cycle is. And so those, one or the other or both of those traits are probably what he's talking about. That's what it sounds like. But none of those are particularly valuable to most growers because feminized seeds tend to be, they have hermaphrodite traits, which means that a female flower, you know, half, half the way through the flowering cycle might throw a male flower and put seeds out. Uh, which, of course, nobody wants. And then the autoflower, you can't grow a big plant no matter what you do because it's going to flower at a certain, you know, amount of age. Oh, okay. So it's like an expedited plant or a, you know, a short-life plant? Well, yeah, you know, it, it actually is a ruderalis-based plant, which comes from the north, northern Europe, up in um, the steppes of Russia and, and Alaska and places where the sun gets really short. Um, the plants, they have such a short growing season that the plants have uh, 
genetically over 10,000 years or 100,000 years figured out that if we don't flower right away, we're not going to reproduce. And so it was a trait that the ruderalis plant picked up as a result of being in an extreme northern region. And people have bred that trait into other plants that are, you know, local to other regions. Wow. Here I am sitting in the middle of the corn belt where there's all the genetically modified <laughs> corn all around. <laughs> They've done the same with the cannibal. <laughs> yeah, well, I can assure you that as the, the big growers come into this game and the big money comes in, the Bayer and Monsanto people will be um, heavy at work. And I'm, I'm um, you know, unfortunately, I've never been a big fan of, of only allowing the big boys in because they like to corner the market for themselves. And imagine if you were to have a giant field of plant that pollinated and your seed, your your plant didn't make seeds, but everybody else's did. Wouldn't that be a great trait? You know, you could cause everybody else's, um, you know, plants to have pollinated flowers and maybe yours wouldn't. Yeah, big, big way of trying to standardize everything. And <laughs> yeah, I understand I, the marijuana nectar market was trying to do that, where just everything is the same anywhere, and there's really no originality. There's no skill in putting it together. Yeah, commercial pot is usually very mediocre. Uh, Craig, that was your first beep already, so I just always want to give you the floor. Well, my, my biggest push to everybody is... Uh, just like the about uh, border patrol agents grabbing people for a pill bottle in their pocket full of uh, weed out in California where it's legal. The only way we can fix that is to get the federal laws changed. And, you know, get on your email, get it on your snail mail, and uh, tell your representative, tell your senator that, you know, this is not what we want. We don't want people in prison for a plant. We want, you know, the ability to grow our plants, eat our plants, smoke our plants, do whatever we want with our plants. But, and there he goes. Well, I got to tell you that is that echoes my message. Um, not everybody agrees with me. I don't expect everybody to agree with me. Hell, I don't want everybody to agree with me. I feel my opinion is pretty valuable, and I feel that there's a lot of folks who, you know, don't care enough to share my opinion. But what about the people who do? What about the people who value this plant from a personal level, from a life-saving level, from a level that means the difference between quality of life or not? If you live in a state where recreational pot has passed, what you will notice is that the ability for the truly sick people to get it at an affordable rate will diminish or disappear because it's not set up for that. It's set up for tourists to come in and buy expensive pot from stores. It's set up for everybody to pay lots of tax money. It's not set up for sick people on fixed incomes to be able to get a gram or more a day of oil at a rate that they can afford. And the way that these laws are made, um, you can't legally even make it for yourself anymore. You won't be able to do those kind of things unless you have a license to do so. And the biggest problem that I see with all of this, and I keep saying this, is that public sentiment 
gets weakened. Public sentiment becomes such that people go, well, all you had to do was follow the law. See, we passed the law. If he wasn't following the law, you know, if he just could follow the law, we'd be okay with it. But no, you go ahead to go and do something different. And that's the kind of bullshit that happens and will happen and will continue to happen. We need to acknowledge the fact that the law is flawed and that if somebody breaks the law, they're not violating some moral crime. They're, 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 they're not creating a victim. There needs to be some common sense in this equation. We need to have some thought behind our actions. We need to be able to acknowledge that if you are committing an act, whether it helps somebody or not, if it doesn't cause harm to anybody, how can you justify it being a criminal act? How can you justify it being an act at which that you could be locked up for? You could lose your freedoms as a citizen. How, how can that be? And yet we embrace that. We welcome that. We say, tax us. Make us pay for a plant that anybody can grow. We say, limit us, regulate us. Make it so that only a handful of people can produce medicine that people can have. We keep doing that. And we keep saying, applauding ourselves. Yay, we won. What the hell did we win? We have less freedom today than we did 15 years ago in California when we had a law that was flawed, but it was ambiguously flawed, and it was written that way on purpose because a law, when it's ambiguous, is supposed to err on the side of the defendant. But it didn't in many cases. Some cases it did. I watched plenty of cases, especially cases where the human solution came to support and the law was applied as it was designed to. The law was applied as it was written, which was supposed to give latitude. It was supposed to make sense. It was supposed to be such that if you needed cannabis, you could grow enough cannabis for yourself. And if you couldn't grow it, you could be part of a collective where somebody could grow it for you. And they could give it to you. They could trade it with you. They could sell it to you at a reasonable price. That was it. It was pretty simple, but no. They convoluted it. They always used tactics that, that made it seem like it was different than it was. And I, I watched juries convict people. I also watched juries acquit people when they should have. So the point is these laws don't work, not even the best of them. We need to decriminalize. We need to repeal. We need to deschedule all these deeds. We need to remove Reason D's, remove, repeal, deschedule, take it off. It's a plant, people. Look around. Look at a pine tree. Look at a rhubarb plant. Look at uh, a belladonna plant, for God's sake. You can grow those. You can grow all you want. You can sell them, buy them, trade them, give them away. You can trade them for a car. You can sell them for money, as many as you want. I could be the Belladonna tycoon, the king of Belladonna. I could have fields of it, many thousands of acres, millions of plants, kilos and kilos. I could have bricks of Belladonna and sell it to you without any restriction, without any consequence. And if you know anything about Belladonna, it's a potentially 
poisonous plant. Even to touch it too much doesn't make sense. All right, so let's move on. We've got a bunch of people calling in that actually have something to say as opposed to my blathering, but I do have one more point I want to make, and I'm going to kind of turn the floor over to the rest of y'all. We were talking about the Facebook thing and, and, and how, you know, people don't pay attention until all of a sudden they do and they notice, oh, I'm not there anymore. Oh, you hurt my feelings. I'm leaving. Facebook can be a great tool. It can be a way to reach a lot of people. It can be a way to organize. It can be a way to share. It can be a way to gather people together that normally have no other way to get together. But it's also a way to waste a lot of time. It's a way to uh, incite ridiculous conversations. It's a way to piss people off. It's a way to get pissed off. It's a it's a way to, I don't know, satisfy some ridiculous need to be liked. I got a message today on Facebook or and my messenger because that person was not connected to me on Facebook, and it said, Joe, do you know this person? And he mentioned the name of the person. Well, this person is saying a bunch of bad stuff, and he claims he's part of the human solution. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. Tell me it's not so. Tell me somebody didn't do some shitty thing and on their Facebook page claim that they're connected to the human solution. You know, all I can say about that is, wow, we must be powerful. We must be valuable. Because why the hell would you put our organization on your page and then go do shitty things unless you somehow thought it would carry some weight? Well, it does. We're a pretty amazing organization. But one of the things we have built into our organization takes care of this. We have a code of conduct, number one, probably one of the only organizations that have one of those. And it basically says you can't be an asshole in our name. Can't do it. If you are an asshole, then you're not connected to us by its own nature. And if you're connected to us, you're not behaving in an assholeish way. Simple. Fixes all of that. Years ago, I talked about last show when we were a much larger by volume organization, but frankly, we were much less capable. I, uh, we, we grew a lot of chapters spontaneously. I would I would allow anybody to form a chapter because we thought that bigger was better. We thought that having more people connected to us was better. We thought that if somebody was willing to stand up and attach themselves to us, it would be more valuable. And we had, geez, some states we had four or five chapters. We had five or six chapters in Michigan, five chapters in Arizona, eight or ten chapters in California. We had five chapters in Washington. I mean, we were prolific and each chapter had at least two people that were participating. It was the nature of it. We thought that this was an answer, but it turns out, and I didn't see this one coming. I did not see this coming. It turns out that some people, and I don't think it has anything to do with the movement, and I think it's just people in general, when they see that there's something of value, when they see that there's a way that you can have a reach, when they see that there's a way to get attention, for God's sake, that 
They can attach themselves to an organization, claim some kind of leadership role, and then do shitty dictator-like stuff. Or even worse, do underhanded dastardly stuff and have more of an effect. Well, it happened. We had leader against leader bullshit. We had people doing crappy things, and then we had other people coming and accusing them of doing crappy things and then coming to me and, what are you going to do about it, Joe? They're representing the human solution. Oh, my God, what a headache. Imagine if we had taken any of that energy and put it together towards our mission of educating and supporting people. Imagine all that energy that would have gone towards working together and growing and gaining the beacon, the voice that we set out to. What if that happened instead? But no, I had to shut a chapter down in Arizona because of skullduggery. I had to shut a chapter down up in Shasta because of douchebaggery. I had to shut, those are the two main ones I had to shut down. Most of them just sort of shut themselves down as I stop paying attention to them. We ended up creating a colossal manual rules and regulations. And, oh, my God, the people that were involved with the organization at the time, it was so important that we do this. We need to have rules. That'll fix it. So we did. (coughs) The executive team, my then vice president um, and my executive director at the time, We met every single day for more than an hour, and we drafted this behemoth. Oh, and my uh, uh, treasurer secretary, I don't remember who she was anymore, (coughs) no longer with us, none of them. We sat down every single day, more than a month. First, we created a 501c3, which was good work. I'm glad we did that. We stayed to it until we got it done. But ultimately, I was the one who sat there and input this thing and worked it through and got it approved. We sat there for weeks writing this manual and, and rule book and rewriting it and overwriting it. And finally, we, we got it done. And one of the things that we decided since we had all these chapters and we needed to have some uniformity and we needed to have some um, you know, we had to rein in these rogues. <laughs> we determined that they would have to be recertified. So out of 45 or 48 chapters, I don't know, I think five or six of them got recertified. And one of the, the contingencies, one of the, the uh, demands of this certification was that there had to be a monthly report that just let the national know what was going on. It was a way that we could determine, first of all, which chapters were needing of attention, which chapters were, um, you know, being active, more active than another. And guess how many quarter or monthly reports we got in? We got in monthly reports from the headquarters chapter, which happens to be my chapter. The only one. Nobody else turned one in, not once. All of that work. And we decided after it was all said and done, let's loosen up the reins, let these things happen as they need to, let it be easier to be a chapter. If it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, it doesn't. 
let's spend our energy with those that are working, those that are growing. And since that time, we've been more healthy. We've had zero dramas. We've had zero chapters dissolved. We've had zero problems. And we've had exponentially more support and more value happen. So we wasted a whole lot of time trying to regulate our way out of this problem. It doesn't work. I've never seen any situation where regulating made something better. In the case of food and drugs, it's supposed to make it safer. We got the most dangerous food out there today and the most dangerous drugs out there today more than we ever did. Rewind back to 1937 when pot wasn't even a thing and they were selling pot and heroin and cocaine as pharmaceutical drugs. But guess what? We had cocaine and, and, and heroin and, and, and uh, morphine addicts, but we still do today. We always did. Those people addicted were always going to find something to get addicted on. To this day, not one person has ever been proven to have died from pot. You can't say that about any other substance on the planet. You can't say that about sand. You can't say that about water. You can't say that about blue-green algae. You can't say that about cobwebs or dust. There's a lethal dose of all of those things. And those are things that are all around us. But cannabis, sativa, cannabis indica, and cannabis ruderalis, the only three cannabises there is, no proven case of death, not one. So regulation, as we've allowed it to exist, is supposed to be for our safety. It's supposed to be to keep us from getting poisoned. But the truth is, of all the non-regulated days, weeks, months, and years that there's been, which is all of history until the last few years, still not one person has died from pot. So tell me, why do we need it? What is the reason that says we need all of this regulation? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. If we spent less time bitching about each other and bitching about what this person's doing and that person's doing and more time working together and more time dedicating ourselves to a goal and more time acting on that dedication and more time being pragmatic and practical and proactive, we'd probably already have fixed our problem and we could be working on something else. all I could say. <clears throat> if you think that somebody is representing the human solution and behaving in a way that I should be personally told about it, realize this. Every single terrorist out there was connected to an organization. Now, the organization, except for a few terrorist organizations by their own nature, would disavow. How many Muslim clerics, imams, or whoever the hell they are, are so pissed off that these crazy people are coming in in the name of their religion and blowing people up? 
when there's plenty of them, probably way more than aren't, who don't have anything to do with that? How many Catholics would say the same thing? How many Christians? How many, now we've got issues with the, with the Buddhists and the Hindus. All these religions of peace. But every time somebody does something crazy in their name, it puts a splat on them. And people say, well, that's what that religion's all about. I'm not here to talk about religion. I'm just here to talk about these concepts. How many organizations have a crazy person who has done something and been aligned with them? Does that mean that has anything to do with the organization? No, of course not. So why would you think that? Look at our body of work. Look at the human solution and all the good we've done and the harm we've done. We're just like the cannabis plant. We've never killed anybody. We've never hurt anybody. All we do is help by our own nature. It's what we do. We're all volunteers. Nobody gets paid. And we're here to help and educate. I don't know. Think about it, folks. How do we spend our time? What are we doing with our time? All right, enough of my ranting. I've now ranted for a while. We've got some calls. What's really interesting in my call list right now, I've got three of our brand new chapter coordinators from three of our brand new chapters. And I'm really excited about that because we have, um, for the first time in a while, an influx of new energy of From all different points of view, we have one that's a defendant, which is typically where our leadership comes from. We have one that's a longtime activist and a patient, patient's rights educator. Um, and we have one that's a former defendant and really gets us because we were there for them. These chapters are actually spread across our uh, reach in pretty good way. We got New York and Ohio pretty close together, but previously we've had pretty weak coverage on the East Coast. So we now have some strong uh, strength in the on the east side of the country, and then all the way as far west as we can get in Hawaii. It's exciting to watch our reach go there. We go as far north as Manitoba, Canada, and we go as far south as I guess Southern California. So. Um, Let's see. I don't. We got Glenn Keeling here from Ohio. He wants to talk. So here's the thing, folks. This is going to be a shorter show if I don't have people that have something they want to say. If you are listening on the call right now and you want to add to the show, hang up, call back, tell noncompliant Mary that you have something to say. If you're watching the live stream or if you are. Um, listening to us any other way and you want to add something to the show, uh, just pick up your phone. Dial 646-929-2495. I've got a few other topics to get into um, after Glenn, but that's what we got right now. So Glenn is a defendant. Him and his wife, Peggy, are fighting charges in Ohio, and they were following their law in Ohio and doing what they could to be compliant and uh, got picked up, got raided, got um, going through the rigmarole, spent time in custody. A lot of BS has ensued 
Piggy's got MS, and she was treating it with cannabis, and now she can't, and now she's suffering immensely. And for everybody who thinks that this is just another plant, for everybody who thinks that, you know, this is just another cause, this is a cause that affects people's lives in such a profound way. I have seen immense relief of suffering come because of this plant. I have seen potentially deadly diseases dissipate because of this plant. And I've seen tremendous amount of suffering ensue because of the restriction of not being able to have this plant. This is certainly one of those cases. Uh, Glenn is one of our newest leaders, and I'm just really excited. He's got a great understanding of, of uh, activism. He's got a great understanding of the plant. Um, we're a definitely a kindred spirit, and it's really great to have uh, a renewed energy uh, with a different reach out on, the, out on the East Coast. So, Glenn, welcome to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you aboard. Thank you very much, Joe. That man, that was a wonderful introduction. Um, you know, looking looking around at at all the states that have legalized it in one way or another, and you know, I, I'm going to use that word legalized very loosely because the way most of the laws are wrote, they they set people up for almost failure. They they set it up. I mean, they're the it's it's a rigged system, and it's never really going to be for the people by the people. Not not really. Not when you really look at all the way that they have all the laws, like with your guys' estate. They said that you can grow personal use, you can grow six plants, but you can only possess one ounce. And you're right. Somebody has to be a really crappy grower to get one ounce out of six plants. <laughs> you know, uh, here in Ohio, you, there is no home. They don't allow no home grow. They, they've got, <clears throat> got it set up for big businesses to actually make money and to pretty much run the program. They say that you're allowed to have a 90-day supply, but they want to limit that 90-day supply, or they wanted to limit that 90-day supply to nine grams. Now, who the, I don't know anybody that could survive on nine grams. Um, Peggy, with her MS, as, as bad as she was, and I, we, she would go through three and a half grams a day just to maintain her stability. And, it's, and that wasn't, not, I mean, it wasn't, she has MS. It's not, nothing is ever going to cure that. But at least with this plant, it put her in a more tolerable position to feel better. She could go about the day almost in a normal way. And now that she doesn't have that, she's reverted back to having to use her wheelchair to get around, to get things done. Uh, here in the, in the house, she has to use her walker or walker and a cane, which I mean, I tell you, they set they set these rules up in all these states to allow people to fail, 
because legalization is not legalization, not in the sense that we would want it to be legalized. You know, and, and it's pretty damn sad that they dangle the carrot in front of the donkey, but the cart is weighted down to the point where the, it can't be pulled. And that's sad. It's very sad the way that they run and the way they do things for people. <clears throat> I, uh, I, I'm, I'm at a loss of what, I mean, there, it's like we're running against a wall. And we cannot go any farther than that wall. It's not they're not allowing us to, and it's, it's real sad that they're doing this. Well, you know, it, it, that's, <laughs> that is the fact that you understand that. The fact that you, you know, unfortunately, it comes at such a cost. But that is why it's so important that we rally together. That that we, um, you know. Join together as as a as a as a team, as a as a coalition, as a as an organization, as as leaders working together for a common goal, sharing our ideas, sharing our thoughts, and then ultimately our goal is to get our messaging out. You know, I I spent months working trying to build a coalition, um, and you know we got some people that that raised their hand and said I want to be part of this. I spent hours and hours trying to work together and bring these people together, and they're good and wonderful people. But for the most part, everybody's so busy doing their own thing, if I didn't drag them, they weren't going. And this is why I've shrunk back and said, you know what, let's build this organization, let's build these teams, these chapters, and the mission's the same. We need to get our message out there. We need to teach people how to stand up and and to know what to say, to know how to say it, to know uh, what's right, what's wrong, what's what's truth and what's bullshit. Uh, you know, it's hard to tell the difference between the two. We've created a, a an environment of what they call fake news now. How do you know what's real and what's not? Well, get a good source, get a get a trusted source of people, a trusted source of information that you can rely upon. And pay attention and listen and read and, and and share these stories, share the truth. And the truth will be self evident. You know, you can you can put any of these truths to the test. You have a explicit, intimate example or, or understanding of what this plant can do with Peggy and and unfortunately when really people learn about what happens is when they lose their access to it. I deal with a lot of people in, in all different types of pain, and they tell me all the time, yeah, I think your stuff's working, and then all of a sudden I ran out, and I'm like, holy crap, it's, you know, I'm in ex excruciating pain now, and it's the same thing, you know, uh, with MS, there's such a multitude of symptoms. I have a number of friends that um, get relief from their MS symptoms with cannabis, and I watched a couple of them as they were unable to access it revert almost in in a matter of days um, to right. a, 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 an almost invalid uh, existence. And you think about that. It's, it's such an injustice. It's such a wrong that the government has done to us by saying that this is a criminal act, that it's even potentially a criminal act. Regardless of how many plants you have, regardless of how many friggin' gallons of oil, I don't care if you've got a 
250-gallon vat of oil in your backyard. You know, it can't hurt anybody, and it might help a lot of people. Hell, it would help a lot of people. I would say congratulations <laughs> to whoever that had that. But the bottom line is that's what this is all about. And, and unfortunately, you know, um, I just got a, a, a message from Craig, or um, not from Craig, but from Aaron Sandusky, a friend of mine who's serving a 10-year sentence in federal prison. Um, Aaron Sandusky is um, operated a couple of dispensaries in California, and he he was raided and charged and tried and convicted and found guilty and sentenced to a mandatory 10 years. And he says that right now in California we passed this legalization measure and over 400 licenses have been issued so far in California, and people are allowed by the state of California to do the very thing that he is serving a 10-year sentence for. And right. he is himself. He doesn't know what to do. He asked me to find an article about him and about his collective from five years ago and post it so people can even know that that's happening. Everybody's forgotten about him. And unfortunately, that's what happens. And that's one of the many injustices. Aaron's a personal friend of mine. I knew him long before he got arrested, long before this stuff happened. And he's sitting in prison right now. It's just fucked up. Right. It's not fair. It's just not fair how, you know, we have a constitution that grants us so many rights and so many, you know, but we don't have the right to treat ourselves. We don't have the right to self-medicate. And that is one of the biggest rights that we, <clears throat> human rights, you know, that cannot be forgotten and it cannot be lost because that is a basic human right to self-medicate the way that you see fit for yourself. Either way it goes, whether you're, you know, growing in a co-op for, you know, other sick patients or you're growing just for yourself. It should just be a basic human right that we can medicate ourselves the way we see fit. And let's face it, I mean, honest to God, if man has to put his hands to making a mixture, it obviously cannot be right and it cannot be good. Human error. There is no human error with a plant like marijuana. It grows, you cut it, you dry it, you smoke it, you press it, you get your oil from it. When you mix ingredients together, and some of these ingredients that they're mixing together to put into pills for people are downright dangerous, dangerous. There's a huge blacklist of medication that they continue to stand, hand out, hand out, hand out to everybody. Blacklist medications kill people. It's not that it will possibly or it could. It will kill you. And Peggy was prescribed one of these medicines, and it's called Pelegrity. It's not that it may cause or it could cause. It will cause a brain infection. There is no ways about it. <clears throat> and they get, it weakens the muscles. And this is a black-labeled drug that they continue to hand to people. There's no black label on marijuana at all. In the last 2,000 years of human existence on the face of this earth, not one person has ever died from marijuana use, ever. And well, I know, that, you know, that, that seems to be, you know, the drumbeat 
um, you know, the beat goes on, and that's what that's what the beat that needs to be, uh, you know, that that needs to be our message. It needs to be listened to. It needs to be understood. It needs to be repeated. It needs to be played in in multiple rhythms, in multiple uh, tempos, in multiple uh, keys. It needs to be played. Um, solo, it needs to be played in a duet, a trio, a quartet. It needs to it needs to just be played. And I think that as more and more people um, you know, understand that, as more and more people uh pay attention for a second, you can look at any single pharmaceutical substance, anything that's approved by the FDA, and name it. There's not one thing that the FDA has approved for public consumption that hasn't killed somebody. There's right. not one Absolutely. thing, not one. Every single thing has the potential to kill you. Yeah, absolutely. Five. Anyway, you know, well, listen, and, and something... that you um, had some developments in your case, and uh, now you can't talk about it. Now uh, <laughs> you're under a that that's one of the things that potentially could be a, a hiccup, but the truth is it tells me that they're afraid of you. It tells me that you're getting your message out, and it tells me that they're paying attention enough. Um, clearly they don't have a strong case against you, or they would be moving forward. Um, if If I understand correctly and your case has been delayed again, that's on their behalf, and I got that through the grapevine, certainly not from you, um, it tells me that that their case is weak at best, and it tells me that they're afraid of this messaging getting out. They had a gag order on my attorney, but they didn't have a gag order on me, so I just kept on yapping. And one of the things to understand about a gag order is that it's very explicit about who can and can't say things, and if there's any limits to what they can and can't say, but very much so, it's it's not just a broad sweeping, nobody can say anything. A gag order is very explicit, and so one of the values of having supporters in the uh, courtroom is that when there's a gag order, um, one of the people in court isn't gagged, and they can say anything they want, so it's important that, you know, one of the reasons that it is important to have people in court in support isn't just um, for moral support, but very much so it's to it's to witness what happens in there. It's to witness, um, you know, there were there were four times when I went to court and I didn't come out. They took me away, and if I didn't have somebody standing there watching, I'd have been screwed. I was screwed anyways, but I I would have been much more screwed. That's for sure. And, you know, we talk about support, and court support is one of the many ways that we offer support, but it's paramount. It's super important, and in many cases, it's just to witness what might happen in there, and they're oftentimes much more cautious to do crazy and, and uh, crooked things when there's a lot of people watching. Right. Yeah, you're right. I was... Uh... I was ordered today that I was not allowed to discuss any more part of what is going on with my case. Um, and, of course, that will go. If I do, and with me having an ankle monitor on and being out on bond, 
that would revoke my bond, and I would definitely have to go back to jail for that. So, it, yeah, and it, yeah, my the message is getting out, and it is being showed that you know the the case is not as strong as what they were hoping it would be. Um, but yeah, I've I've been ordered that I am no longer allowed to speak, write, talk about my case. And it has been um, pushed for another. I had a pretrial conference today, and it has been pushed to another pretrial conference for the 17th. Um, and I guess it's to <clears throat> it's to give them time to figure out what they're really going to do. <laughs> well, like I say, that's a really good sign. If they need time to figure out that what they're going to do, it means they don't know what they're going to do. And if they don't know what they're going to do by now, they're going to have a hard time figuring it out. Right, right. And I, I'm I'm grateful and very thankful that that my case is going the way it's going. I just wish that the case was over and I wouldn't have to do and worry about this no more. But unfortunately, it's it's going. It looks as if it's going to be. Um, till the 17th before I can find out anything else again. Um, and this is absolutely, I mean, I suffer from Crohn's, and, and, and that's what I was using. I have COPD and fibromyalgia. Um, but my symptoms are more controlled by the less that I do, I'm good. But it, this is killing Peggy. This is absolutely has drugged her and... It's drug her down, and it and that is hurting me more than what I'm hurting myself. And you know, and I can see why they don't want me talking <clears throat> about the case because of what's going on, pretty much with Peggy. You know, she is just she's an absolute wreck over this, and it's not just you know the case and the nerves and and anxiety over this. It's, the MS is. You know, she has a disease that she, and it's hard to say this, but it, and, but it's the truth. She has a disease that she's going to lose her life to, and that's all there is to it. And there's no amount of medication, there's no amount of anything that's going to prevent that. But marijuana will give her a longer expectancy with it than without it. Well... One of the things that, you know, I just really want to stress, and, you know, it's 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 rough. I, I have uh, the utmost respect for the both of you because I understand what you're going through from the, you know, the court side of things. I, I only understand through sympathy rather than empathy when you're going on the uh, physical, you know, uh, side of things. But... The human solution is more than just a uh, a court support team. We, we're a group of real people that have real problems that really care about you and your wife and everybody else. And the reason that we do what we do is because of that. And I, I've never I've never been a part of a of an organization that was as real and as caring and as just genuine as this organization. So it's not just only about, you know, uh, the court thing. It's not only about 
advocating. It's not only about this. It's about us as humans. It's about us as truly a human solution. So just realize that it's not just me. It's 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 the whole team. Um, there's probably hundreds, if not thousands, of people listening to the show right now, and many of them are card-carrying members that are here to help, and just know that. Right. Well, we appreciate all the support and everything that you guys, the the emotional support that we get from you guys is tremendous. We've got people that will send messages throughout the day and, and you know, the thank you and, and, you know, we're thinking about you and asking how we're doing. <clears throat> um, and that that's very touching and, that, and that's great because I've never been part of an organization that cares about people as much as this. Um, Peter Yaffle um, said earlier that him and his wife they think about us on, on a day to day basis, and that is amazing. That that's a good feeling to know that people actually really care in this organization. Um, I was part of another organization. I'm normal. I we I was the executive director of a normal, and we never got as much support from the whole time that we were, you know, had that chapter is that we do from you guys. And we really appreciate the support that you guys offer and that you guys give on a day-to-day basis. And, it, and it's an amazing organization and it's an amazing group of people. And I really appreciate the support. Well, absolutely. Well, Glenn, um, I, I want to bring up one more thing and it's just kind of, Try to I try to turn things to positive as much as can be, and uh, you were there on our uh, board meeting last Thursday, and uh, you know we came up with some great ideas, and I'd like to share some of that. One of the things that we all decided to do uh, was to uh, create a new podcast, and this one will continue, and Peter Yaples uh, and Peter and Helen's podcast will continue, but uh, we've decided to do. Uh, uh, an informational, more of a, a a broader spectrum show that will probably be a half an hour show to begin with, maybe a couple of two, three times a week, um, and we'll probably expand it, and hopefully soon it'll be a, a, an everyday uh, show. Um, we're going to begin uh, sort of mapping that out tomorrow, and, um, you know, we'll have a number of... of um, of guests, a number of hosts, and it's going to be generally uh, a great thing that's going to be coming out of this. So I'm really looking forward to it. I I am too. I'm I'm looking forward to the information that's going because talking in the board meetings that we've had, you can definitely tell and you can hear it from the people that they're very educated on what they're speaking about. And it's not so much as they're educated on it; they believe in what they're saying. And that is an amazing and awesome thing that that people really believe and care about what they're saying and what they're doing. And this organization is is top-notch. Absolutely. All right, Glenn. Well, I, uh, again, appreciate uh, you taking your time to join the show. And um, I definitely, you have my support. And, um, you know, we'll just, we'll keep on marching. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you guys have a great evening. All right. Excellent. Glenn Keeling from our new chapter in Ohio. And uh, stay tuned. A lot's going to be coming out of there.
All right, we got Chuck. I think this is Chuck Miller from Texas. Um, haven't heard from Chuck in a minute. Hey, You're breaking up there. I got a cheap throwaway. Let burn your phone. Is it Chuck Miller? Yes, it is, sir. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, you're kind of you're kind of choppy, but I can hear you. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, brother. How you doing? How are things going for you? The farm okay? We're building the human solution. That's uh, you know, little bit by little bit. Let me see if I can turn the speaker off. Yeah, it's, yeah, you got a, a, a real tough uh, a real tough connection there. I can hardly hear you. How was that? Any better? Yeah, that's definitely better. All right. Well, I'm down here on the coast for the winter. I'm going to try to infiltrate Corpus Christi normal for you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I was headed. I thought I'd be smart and come down to the coast for the winter. And the first, the night we picked up my new truck, it snowed in central, central Texas six inches. Oh my goodness! So I called. Well, I was waiting on. Uh, I was waiting on word to come down to the state park down here to help out clean up after the hurricane uh, in Rockport. And uh-huh. they finally called me. Told, they told, finally called me. Told me come down January first. So I'm sitting there Thursday and Friday, and they're predicting a sleep and ice storm in Central Texas on the first. <laughs> oh, so I called geez. and asked if I called and asked if it was okay if I came down a couple of days early. I didn't want to get iced in in Central Texas. Yesterday it was 27 freaking degrees. Oh my goodness! So much. So much for staying warm on the Texas coast. Oh, I'm telling you, crazy. Anyway, six plants. I wanted to say six plants. Yeah. One dried ounce. Yeah, that's what they one say. Mother, one mother, five and perpetual flower. You yeah, always say yeah, two weeks. But most folks are not uh, savvy to do it. That's for sure. Oh, that's for sure. All righty, sir. It was nice talking to you. And I'll try to call back Likewise. next Wednesday Likewise. when I get a better Always. connection. All right, Chuck. Always a pleasure. Chuck Miller from Texas, and he's representing the human solution out there. We love Chuck. Thank you, brother. All right. All right. We got Tom Corby here with the NorCal Report. And Tom, you are live on the air. Tom Furby, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah, Joe, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Joe. Hi. I've got allergies to a point of bronchitis. I don't know how long I talk. Oh. What I will say is this: before he said legalization, just more laws and regulations that screw us mom and pop growers. And bottom line, 
go and vision always and hope that the legalization is only a step to end prohibition. <clears throat> this is the bottom line. Uh, like uh, I ran for a while, chapter said, they put us in a paradox. They set us up to fail, uh, sending us back underground. Uh, way back, uh, almost to the Controlled Substance Act, I would say, which we know is illegal in the first place. So we need folks to stand their ground, come together, and help you the solution to stop this madness. And nobody's going to jail for our sacred plan. Party Radio Show Joe, Mary, all the people in the front line coming together, putting our wrists aside, and uh, joining in our quest finding and the failed war on cannabis. Uh, thanks, Joe, everybody today, and don't forget to breathe. I could go on some, Joe, if you want. If you want a question or anything, I don't know how clear I am. Yo, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. I uh, we we don't have commercials, so uh, a cup of Joe got to my bladder. I had to run and have a pee break. Go ahead. <laughs> Said maybe you could get up here after the holidays. <clears throat> Great, you have you and Liz and Kathy Z come up. It's been far too long, my friend, and we could sure use some more ribbons. For court support, and yes, <clears throat> the Human Solution International dot org is more than just court support. We also do write letters for prisoners, and we want to keep those letters coming too. And uh, oh, don't forget to breathe. I'm having trouble breathing. All right. Yeah, I heard you're fighting some allergies. That's that's. Uh, I'm sorry. I. I hope the fires didn't have anything to do with that. Well, you know, Tom, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we're going to be able to come up and see you very shortly because um, I just, today, it looks like I'm going to be winning a bet from my daughter. Um, we bet each other to see who could lose 20 pounds. Um, and I, I today I'm going to weigh in right after the show, and I will have lost 20 pounds. And winning from this is me a little bit of road trip money, so um, me and my wife are thinking about coming up to uh, pay you guys a visit here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, that'd be great. John DeVong, Alex Lyon, all of us are looking forward (coughs) to having you always show. You know, your room will be open here, as always, Joe. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Tom, why don't you go ahead and save your voice. I got Albert Thomas going to be checking in here real quick, and uh, Tom had a pretty lousy reception, um, but always a strong message, and we always um, support Tom and the NorCal team. Um, Aside from the headquarters team, it's been really tough to match, and I think actually they whooped our ass in a lot of fronts, especially lately, 
uh, of, of working together and being there to support those people. I have the utmost respect for uh, the NorCal chapter and Tom Corby and the whole team up there. Uh, we got Albert Thomas. It looks like he's got a little something he wants to add. Albert is also one of the new chapter coordinators, um, a, a newly chartered chapter in Hawaii, and the focus of this chapter is court support. And, um, you know, one day I hope that that's not even a thing because we won't need it. But, Albert, you've been um, the model of what I had always hoped would happen from support. You had a case. You came to the Human Solution. We showed up. We did what we do. Um, you you reaped the reward or the benefit of, of the support. You acknowledged it. You understood it. Um, you came out of your situation. You moved. You recognized that there's a need for us where you're at, and you took the initiative, and you started a chapter. And I'm telling you, that is – you have no idea how much that warms my heart because – that was always my vision of how the human solution would grow. And you're, unfortunately, um, a rarity. Of all the dozens and dozens of cases we've supported, frankly, most of them disappear the second their case is over. And uh, you've demonstrated that that doesn't have to be the case. Uh, welcome to the show. It's always good to hear from you. Thank you, Joe. This is a great show, by the way. I've kind of been watching online and listening in, and... It just renews for me what happened two years ago when I first contacted you. And just to know that somebody even cared that I was charged, and especially where I was at at the time. I was in Oklahoma, and it, it, was, it was a pretty scary situation. So to get the response that I got from you, really it touched me in a way that it kept me interested, number one, but it also made me aware of how important it is for to be heard, that, that someone actually understands what you're going through or and hears you, that you're reaching out not for someone to maybe save you or anything, but basically just to to have an understanding of what you're involved in and and, and how to best survive it. And so for that, I'm, I'm just so grateful. And, I, and that's why I, I volunteered once I got stabilized where I'm at. Um, you know, I, I became aware that other people are, are going through similar circumstances regarding this plant. And, and, I, and I think that, you know, it, for me, it, it's very, it's a sacred thing. You know, this plant is very special to me. And I was never into it trying to make money or a name for myself. So, you know, I, I really am here to to help in any way that I can to bring about cannabis plant freedom. You know, and along that line, well, I'm really happy about... Huh? No, I say that's what it's all about. You just exemplified uh, what this whole thing's about. I, it's, it's great for, at one point, for people to start getting it. And, again, it's really uh, exciting to have you know, not just one, but three uh, new people that get it to a point that we're, we're able to mobilize it, raise it up, and energize it, and watch what's going to happen in 2018. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's, it's exciting, especially with the focus that you're giving us, Joe, uh, through the executive board and all, 
and folks are now in every state, I think, going to be contacting their representatives. I know I have made my personal commitment to contact Tulsi Gabbard here in Hawaii regarding her bill, H.R. 1227, the In Federal Marijuana Prohibition Act. I wrote her a letter yesterday and let her know that we're in this organization and have been around a couple of years, and here she comes with a bill that is almost like perfectly written for our charter. It's it's amazing. So I, I hope to get a response. We'll see what happens with that. Oh, you will. The one thing that's good about writing letters to elected officials is almost always you will get a response. Usually you'll initially, and this is a little lesson, we'll, we'll probably do this on the other show a lot more about specific little lessons, but I've got a few extra minutes today. We're going to bring Pete Yapel up to, to, to close the show out today. Um, but one of the things that I've learned, and I've written many letters to elected officials over the years, um, you can, it takes a minute to learn a technique, but uh, if you're talking to them on the phone, it's, it's an easy way to establish a rapport. It won't be with the elected official, but it'll be with the staffer. But at one point, if you're regular and courteous and um, effective, you will get it to a point where you can call an elected official's office and a staffer will know who you are and you'll begin a deeper dialogue, and eventually you know that your message will get to that uh, elected official. But on a letter, it's the same thing. Usually the first response will be an auto response, um, or it'll be something that has, you know, a, a, a one line of, of custom uh, verbiage. But if you respond to that letter, then you start getting down to a deeper level, and you'll at one point uh, have a dialogue, and we were doing that with HR 1523 back in 2013, um, and and a little bit further in, um, I happen to have a total idiot for an elected official uh, by the name of uh, Ken Calvert, and he's a, a, a big-headed Republican, and I don't necessarily am, he makes the Republican Party look bad. He has the the um, white paper, drugs are bad, gateway bullshit idea, and he has it's all based on ignorance. And he clearly had no intention of of understanding the needs of his uh, uh, constituents. And I am ashamed that he is my representative. To be honest, I am the most anti Kent Calvert guy. I wish anybody would beat him, but he just he's the incumbent. He keeps winning. And so, you know, if somebody wants to run in my district, man, I would just love it. Um, somebody that could beat this guy could. But, again, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going and encourage more constituents in this district to keep writing him. Maybe when enough of us do, he'll take it serious. Um, unfortunately, when it's just one person, you can sometimes have, a, have an effect, but – you know, that's what this is all about, raising ourselves up, raising our awareness up, raising the message up, raising the vibration, the tone, the pitch, the the, the, the intensity, the volume. That's what's going to make this happen. Absolutely. And you may have just described your calling there, Joe. <laughs> you know. Yeah, people have said that. I'm, I'm just afraid that I'd get assassinated pretty quickly because I, I tend to a little, um, I don't know, a little driven and a little, uh, I, I'm not going to waver from my principles, 
I wouldn't drink their water or I would be immune to it. And I've seen what happens to guys that stand up against the 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 system. But who knows? If I had enough support or, or you know, somebody who knew what the hell it was like to run a campaign, I might jump in there. You know what they say about necessity being the the mother of invention there, so and and I'll tell you a quick little story, you know. Martin Luther King never wanted to lead the movement that, that he took on. He's serious. He, uh, if, you know, if you read you read the history about him, he he was he didn't want to be on center stage. But what came of it is amazing. So Yeah, you know what's you know what's funny? Um when I was locked up, um, I was in a, a, a dorm for, I don't know, about six weeks or so. And when I first got there, of course, you're the new guy, and everybody challenges you and, you know, all the bullshit that goes on. But once they realized, you know, I wasn't going to back down to them, number one. Number two, um, I wasn't an asshole, and I had some interesting things, and I had some knowledge. Uh, eventually... Um, actually, in pretty short time, people would ask me a lot of questions. And when I started explaining to them what I was doing, um, and then when we would go to court, I would show up at court on the bus shackled. You know, they put me in a cage inside the bus, which was a cage. I was in two cages in the place where the most dangerous people were with, you know, uh, leg irons and shackles and a waistband, the whole fucking thing. And then we'd get to court, and there'd be protesting and there'd be you know and and it was you know for my case and the guys on the bus would be going what the fuck is this and I'm like that's because I don't belong here I told you I'm not supposed to be here and the guards would be looking at me and it was like it was the funniest thing and I and I've never said this in public but some of the guys in there after I was helping them and teaching them how to how to stand up for their case and do this. He says, you're like the white Martin Luther King. And I just said, I, 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 I like that. But I it, I had a couple of cons that made a reference like that, and I just think it's, it's clearly I'm, I'm, I'm nothing like the man. I don't have what, it, what he had. But I don't also have the, the, the cross to bear that he had. I, I don't have the persecution that he had in the same way. Maybe if I did, I would. But the truth is, is all of us have that. It's it's all about just raising up and being, you know, what you're capable of. And I, I have the ability to, to share a message, and that's really what this is about. I learned how to organize people. I learned things that work, and I'm willing to share. It's really not more complicated than that. Absolutely. And your heart is in the right place, you know. That, that, that has a lot to do with, I think, what happened back then. And what's happening right now. You know, those those of us that are committed to this plan, it, it's it's not for anything that is simply obvious about the plan, I believe. I think it's it's a spiritual connection. I know that's it for me. And I've I've watched you essentially, Joe. I I remember, you know, when I first learned about this plan coming out the classes that, that you taught there uh, you know, teaching people to grow this plant. And, and in time, I'm, I'm really looking forward to our conversation evolving into things like Mendelian, Mendelian inheritance and environmental acclimation and stabilization, which is absolutely necessary for this medicine, this vital medicine 
that that can be made, you know. So it, it's um, for me, like I said, this is the early stages, the beginnings. So whatever I'm doing here is 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 to try to help people that may be persecuted at this time. But but my ultimate goal, truly, is 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 the cannabis plant freedom, and and really uh, healing people. To, to let well, you know, it's interesting. What, what you just brought up is, is a level that not everybody gets, and it really doesn't matter what what you get as long as you get something. But the truth is, this plant vibrates on a number of different levels, and it and it vibrates on a personal uh, uh, physiological level, and it, it actually can heal your body on a, on a cellular, uh, molecular, physical level. But it also operates on a, a spiritual plane. It operates on a higher vibration as well. And, you know, I've been growing, not allegedly, but I've been growing pot for 30, sheesh, 35 years now. And that doesn't make me anything. It just makes me a guy who's grown pot for 35 years. But what I've learned, there's some magic about growing the plant. And when I ran my collective, I, I produced plants for people and I would always encourage all the patients that came into the collective to grow a plant. And it wasn't that they would be able to grow enough medicine. It wasn't that they would be able to be good at it. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. It wasn't that um, I, I wanted their business or didn't want their business. It was that growing this plant has a healing element to it. Um, I've always called it horticultural therapy, but... It has a different layer than growing a, a lettuce pad bed or chamomile, even though those plants are healing as well. Um, mm -hmm. This plant, for whatever reason, just that simple act of, of taking care of it, uh, maybe that's what it is. It's, it's caring about it in a different way than you might care about a lettuce plant. Um, it's tending it. It's sharing your energy with it. Whatever it is, I just know that the act of growing this plant is healing. And... I've always said, you know, when, when people put this plant on Schedule 1, it is characterized as among the most dangerous and addictive plant or, or substances out there. And I've always quantified that by saying, you know, the, the finished product isn't addictive, but the act of growing it is. And I know that when I was going through the case, one of the most difficult things for me was to not be able to grow the way I had before because I couldn't risk, uh, you know, them coming in on me again and, and adding more charges to my case. I had to live vicariously through teaching and consulting people, um, but I was never able to give for those years um, the plants, the attention and care that I would have wanted to. And there was always a piece of me that was, you know, sort of uh, sick from that. So you're right. There's a definitely a spiritual level to it. I don't claim to understand it. I just claim to uh, experience it and, you know, encourage people to try it. If you've never grown a cannabis plant, get one. Try it. There's something magical mm -hmm. about it. Yes, I agree. And so, like I said, hopefully we'll be able to get more into to that portion of this topic soon. Well, you know, the, the, new, the new show that we're going to be doing, um, as we discussed, is going to get way deeper into things like that. It'll get into um, why 
are we fighting for this plant? Well, we'll talk about the amazingness about this plant. We'll talk about um, techniques. We'll talk about things we've learned. We've talk, we'll talk about uh, ways that people can and do medicate, ways that people can and do make medicine, ways to empower um, people on multiple levels um, that have all been stifled and, and restricted by prohibition, and that's what this is all about. Yes, excellent. Well, I'm here, to right, Albert, well, whatever I, I can do, I'm, please just, you know. <laughs> oh, you bet. Like I said, we're just getting you geared up. There will be plenty of call to action for you, my friend. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm ready. All right. I look forward to it, and I love to hear that. Those are music to my ears. All right, Albert Thomas from Hawaii once again. All right. Our final guest of the night, unless somebody else pops in, is Pete Yapel. Um, Pete is a regular guest on this show, as I have been able to be a regular guest on his show. And soon we'll be co-hosts of a new show, and hopefully we'll have lots of hosts and lots of guests and lots of topics, and we'll be getting into it. Um, Pete is also the third and final, um, at least of the day, new chapter coordinator, and um, he's got a new chapter that's in the process of being chartered right now up in New York. And it's exciting because this chapter is a magical chapter because it's not built off of a case. It doesn't exist because somebody needs us to support them in court at the last minute, too little, too late, like so many of them are. This is a case, this is a chapter that's being built because of the need to educate, because of need for people to stand together, because of the need for people to raise up and and work together to end prohibition. And um, that is that is what this is about. And so this new chapter um, headed up by Pete and Helen Yapel, um, it's, it's exciting to watch three different versions, um, three different reasons, three different strengths um, of these three different new chapters that are popping up. Pete, welcome to the show. It's always a treat to have you aboard. Always a pleasure to be on here, Joe, and we really appreciate the time you give to our show, too. And uh, like I said, I was saying earlier, too, I mean, you know, me and you have been talking about, a, a, you know, an hour, hour show daily just to, you know, continue to bring awareness. And, to, you know, I mean, especially in this year, as I always say, you know, these even years where we're electing officials and, and you know, and legislation's always being on the ballot, that it's time for, you know, us to, to really rally. One thing I can say and have noticed is, especially those that are active and that I, I, I spend my time with conversing and such, that everybody's taken on projects this year. I mean, everybody's taken on extra stuff that's really tried to, to, you know, I mean, show the importance. I mean, like you were saying earlier, uh, I mean, there is no victim in this crime and a crime of cannabis. But when you truly think about it, there is. There's the person being prosecuted, and there's the people that he can yeah, be helping his product. So you know, I mean, you know. that who gets hurt in this, you know? <laughs> The only true crime is the crime that of uh, of charging someone to begin with. So, uh, you know, to, to me, it's a no-brainer, you know. <laughs> it's so true. And, you know, it, it's funny because you've been dedicating a lot of your uh, activism time, you and your wife both, to educating people. And um, you understand this plant in a way that a lot of people don't. 
and that's one of the reasons that I'm glad we were able to join forces because, you know, there's so many um, avenues to explore. There's so many uh, different ways to, uh, to to speak, to reach different people. We all have a, a language that we use that reaches certain people. I have a language that I use that reaches certain people. You have a, a language that you use that reaches people that I won't reach. And and you got Glenn with, with yet another language, Tom Corby with yet another language. And even though we have the same or a similar message, we have a different way of expressing it, a different set of um, experiences that back up our passions, um, a different set of experiences that back up our knowledge. And that's why coming together um, and doing this new show, this new uh, this new format uh, is exciting because we're learning as we're going. This live stream turns out that it's a great uh, a great way to bring people in. We're going to learn how to uh, be interactive. Tomorrow morning's show, um, I mean, tomorrow morning's executive director meeting is actually going to be live streamed on my public figure page, and we're hopefully going to figure out how to bring up uh, multiple uh, hosts on the screen so that we can have a live show where we can uh, have it almost like a Skype where you can see the participants, um, look at them while you're talking. You know, this is the hardest thing about this radio show, um, especially when I when I have guest speakers or co-hosts or things like that, is that we're not in the same room. And it's hard. You learn kind of an art of pausing after you speak and I, it's nice to work with people who have who host a show or have hosted a show because we tend to not talk over each other as much. But when you have two or three people that are excited and um, you know have no problem talking, uh, oftentimes everybody jumps up at once and it's it's really chaotic. And so I think that having this tool where we'll be able to see the people on there, it's a lot easier when you can see somebody and uh, you know raise your hand or, or make a make a gesture rather than uh, just talking over each other. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, listen, the art of not stepping on each other is, is, is difficult at times, as you know, especially a lot of times with this because there is a bit of a delay. So we always, you know, we may have, have a little lapse. But I, I agree with you. I, I think that the – I think that what the beauty of what's happening within your organization and our chapters forming and other chapters forming for different reasons is it's bringing in all of the different angles of cannabis, why we fight. Yes, we may all have a different battle, but we all want the same thing in the end. And I believe that this is a huge group of people that have absolutely no care about ego. And that's, that's a lot of the problem or, uh, oh, you know, or just you know, being being the king of. I, I I really could care less. I just want people to hear us, people to understand, people to know that there's resources, places they can reach out for anything. Whether it is that you're in a position where you need support and you need people behind you and you need people in a core system, or if it's just the fact that you just really don't know what to do and you're 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 stuck in this in this proverbial uh, uh, circle of doctors and prescriptions and, and, and such, when you, when, when, if you really take a look and, 
You know, that's what it's been with me and Helen. You know, I became so ill, and I attribute – I mean, yes, I have illnesses. Yes, I have things that got me to the point, but I attribute most of my, you know, my decline in health to the amount of pharmaceuticals and such that I, that I used to take, you know, because a doctor told me it was okay. Well, when I started researching and finding out things on my own, I found out that there were just so many things out there that were not of, of even a medical, uh, if you, you know, consider a medical tool, you know, in foods and in and things like this. And, and, of course, cannabis and the multiple ways to ingest, which are all effective depending upon what you have. You know, so, uh, you know, it's, we all can learn from each other. We'll all get to that, but we all have the same, 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 same thought process in the end is that we just – it's ridiculous to have any sort of, I mean, stranglehold on such a, an incredible plan. And I feel horrible, uh, you know, when I listened to the beginning of the show and I was listening to you tell me about this guy, I mean, completely compliant guy, never seen it, you know, and now the laws change. You know, the guy has an unfortunate happenstance with a fire. And what do they do? They just ruin his whole livelihood. What's his recourse in the end? Even if they find at the end that he's within the law and they drop the case and this, that, and the other thing. This guy's lost crop after crop and thousands and thousands, plus what he's going to have to put out of his pocket. And not only that, all of the people that he's helped, you know, that, that was one thing. Another thing you had said earlier too is, is so true and that people don't understand is recreational cannabis is a wonderful thing to have. Don't think that I don't believe that recreational cannabis Shouldn't, should or should not be an option. It should definitely be an option, but not when it affects the medical community. It's a completely different bear. It's just like, you know, it, it, it's truly just like anything else. But if you cut the medical patient off at the leg and you're going to charge them the same rate, but when insurance won't cover them and this, that, and the other thing, as you are a recreational patient, somebody's just using it for the hell of it. That's, I hate to put it that way, but it's true. I mean, you know, I mean, there's people like me that need this plant to stay alive or to at least live a quality of life. And to be punished because of it, because somebody else just wants to get high, is just, you know, it's just another whole, another whole can of worms. So people this year, I implore you, you know, go to your Facebook page. I mentioned this on my show the other night. And if you go to your Facebook page on your on your computer or on your, you know if you if you're doing it on your computer on the left hand side they have all your groups listed and you know and your events and the stuff and look for a tab it's called town hall the town hall tab it will pull up every representative for your state in your area it, it, it will if you have your locator on if not you know you can locate it by where wherever location you want. And you, you can pull up the people that are in office. These are the people that we, we need to know where these people stand. These, unfortunately, are the people making the decisions for every one of us, whether we are a majority or not, without our voice, they aren't going to speak. And without our voice loud in their ear, they're truly not going to speak. So look for that tab, first of all and foremost. If you have legislation up in your state, please be sure you know what you're voting on. I know people that have voted so many times in the past and been jumping for joy the next day after something passed and being like, yay, we've got this, that, or the other thing. 
and then they go to try to get it or try to find something out and you know listen you really don't have nothing <laughs> you know so so you know know what you're signing know the petition you're signing yeah you're going to have to read something but like you're saying Joe people spend 5 hours a day on Facebook spend an hour a day reading some good litigation some good 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 policy or even some bad 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 policy it's really <laughs> yes there are some crazy words in there but listen you can figure it out you know that's why there's dictionaries and such you know if something's that important oh, maybe you know, have a real you really should stand. yes exactly and, and, and you know I, I know for you were talking about the board meeting and whatever and having that on on online and such so that people could see each other and you could figure out how to do the invite in but if it's just going to be for board members, if you don't really care if the public sees it, use Google Hangouts. I mean, you can go to Google Hangouts yeah, and every, it's like a Skype. You know, so room, it's another thing to learn, yeah. But definitely, right, right. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to figure this out. We're, we're definitely uh, we're growing um, in, our, in our size and our skill set. Well, Pete, I'm uh, down to a couple of minutes, and I've got still one more announcement to make, but – it is always a pleasure to have you join the show, and uh, I look forward to you joining the meeting tomorrow morning. You got it, brother. I'll give a call in. I'll talk to you later, Joe. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Thanks. Again, Pete Yapel from our New York uh, chapter of the Human Solution that is forming, and uh, a lot of exciting things happening. I'm, I'm really tickled with all the new blood. Uh, last week, we talked about a project. We have Luke Tillman from that's locked up in federal prison right now and uh, he's filing a motion and he wants to use stats of different cases that the feds prosecuted or not in the hopes that he can get an equal protection um, standing and um, we have uh, Bobby Rodrigo, who has a better understanding of the law than a lot of us and willing to, to parse these things and to help out. And it looked like uh, there wasn't a strong position, but nonetheless, there is a position. And what we told Luke was that we would to get people to research the federal prosecutions of marijuana cases in a specific state. And if you're willing to do that, dig up any information you can, please do it. Get it to me. Um, you can message me. You can call me, 951-436-6312. Um, put it on any of my Facebook pages, Human Solution page. Anyway, get it to me. Website, thsintl.org. We're putting together a um, project on the website. Hopefully by tomorrow it will be live. And let's do this. It's one of the things that we can do to help a brother who's locked up right now for pot, the same pot that we all love and enjoy, the same pot that we all rely on for comfort, for uh, uh, relief, for, for all the good things that it gives us. We got a man, in some cases, saving our lives. Uh, we got a man that's locked up for the same plan, so let's help him as we can. I want to thank everybody who helped make this show possible. I want to thank Lisa Wooldridge for the live stream. I want to thank Noncompliant Mary for the screening. And all of our participated, and I just
just want to thank you all. We will see you all next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind.